This is episode 17 of the Chick and Charge podcast with host and CEO of All-in-One Security, Mary Parker. Today's guest is Jorge Fernandez. Fernandez is Vice President of Global Commerce for the Metro Atlanta Chamber of Commerce. He is charged with growing the international business footprint of both Atlanta and the Southeast. Before his work at the Chamber, Fernandez was the international VP for Delta Airlines, named by Hispanic Business Magazine as one of the 100 most influential Hispanics in the United States. Fernandez is also known as one of Atlanta's international who's who. Listen and hear why. Welcome to the Chicken Charge. All-in-One Security CEO Mary Parker celebrates the success of women in the world of business and in life. Mary's own humble beginnings in rural Mississippi led her to become one of the only African-American females running a multi-million dollar security firm. She is definitely the chick in charge. Here now is Mary Parker. Hello, hello, hello. It's Mary Parker. We're back with the Chick in Charge podcast. We're so excited today. Well, we're always excited here on this show. Um, but we're so excited today because I've got my regular crew with me, Sarah Smith with Solution Road. Good morning. Good afternoon. Port Wilson, who is making sure that we have adequate sound. And our guest for this afternoon is Jorge Fernandez. Welcome. Great to be here. <laughs> have some water. Yes, please. Jorge is a sexy name. It's hard to... <laughs> I know, and I can't it's mess that say up. It, I no. can say that. I can say Absolutely. Jorge. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, Mary. You okay. did well. So, we're glad to have you today, and we're going to talk a little bit about some chamber stuff. I know that um, you are heading up business, global business development. That's a big job. And for those of our listeners who don't quite understand global yet, would you just tell us a little bit about the areas that uh, that you cover in terms of business development and what does the business development opportunities look like in those areas? Well, sure. Um, uh, it, I always say that my job is to be a, uh, a storyteller. In this particular case, it's a storyteller about Atlanta. And so what we do is basically take the story of what Atlanta is to the world. And we do this for a few purposes. One is to attract foreign direct investment, otherwise known as FDI. And that's when foreign investments, we take that story uh, to overseas market and, and try to recruit foreign companies to come to Atlanta. And there's been many of those examples. This year, about 29% of all the companies that have settled in Atlanta in 2018 so far are of foreign origin. And by the way, when I mean Atlanta, we cover the whole metro, metro area, area of Atlanta. Uh, it's a 29 counties, so it's a big area, six million people. By the way, we're the 33rd economy in the world, so we're talking the economic engine of the Southeast. So that's a story to be told Absolutely. that people are not aware of. So that's one, recruitment of foreign companies. The other thing that we do, which is extremely important, is to help local companies expand overseas, either by making investment or help them how to do exports. We are now in partnership with the Brookings Institution out of Washington, D.C. on a metro export plan to help companies export. Um, this program, this grant program, has been financed by J.P. Morgan Chase in this region. 
we have given out about 200,000 plus dollars in grants to companies to help them export. There's a lot of misunderstanding about what export is all about. Let me ask you a question. Sure. How many companies, if you think of, of all the companies that are in Atlanta, I'm talking about from the Home Depot to Delta Airline, well, uh, and or small companies, how many of those companies you think actually export? 15, 20%. How about five? Wow. We are a nation and a city of under exporters. So telling that story of the benefits of exports and at the end of the day, 80% of the growth that is happening in the world is outside the United States. Why? Because export is nothing different than selling. It's selling outside the U.S. borders, right? So the number one consumer is the, is the middle class, is the rising middle class. Of course, the middle class in the U.S., you could, it's been constant and you can sometimes argue that it's declining. However, 80% of that growth of middle class, which is the, the, the target of consumption, if you will, is outside the borders of the United States. So keeping up with that pace is important for Atlanta companies. So export is number two. And number three is those areas in which we're strong in, in Atlanta. And what I mean strong is we have a critical mass, whether it be jobs, investments, uh, number of companies, participation in the economy. Uh, there are several of those clusters and telling the story of those clusters in foreign markets is very important and bringing together the ecosystem around those industries with foreign markets it's the third thing that we do which is extremely important oh you have a very very important assignment and um so in terms of your background how did you prepare yourself to hold such an intricate position as business development from a global perspective passion Passion. <laughs> yes. That is a commonality that we hear from most of our, it is, our guests. It's, yes. It's they a, do what they do because of their passion for it. Exactly. That's something that is within you. And that's what we try to do is, is to awaken that passion for, in this particular case, global engagement uh, for our companies and our region here. That is fantastic. I, I so appreciate what you do. And I can actually relate to a story directly impacting, uh, including you, and that's when we went to China. Absolutely. With the mayor six, seven years ago. ago. It, was an, it was a phenomenal trip. I learned so much about doing business on a global scale through that experience. But for our listening audience, especially business owners or those with an interest in starting their business, what was first step? to learning about exporting. Well, we have so, uh, several programs through this uh, called Passport to Exports, and we're doing this at a county level. So we're working with local chambers, local economic development organizations throughout the region to tell the story about the importance of exports. And what we do is we let the experts do it, uh, not us. But what we do is we bring companies that has been doing it and has been successful and tell them the story and how they got into it. Mm -hmm. And what we like to do is not to bring big corporations like that normally people don't associate with because I mean 90% or even higher than that it's of the economy is who is small business, mm -hmm. right? So that's the crux that we want to reach. So those companies don't can't relate to big Fortune 1000 or Fortune 500. So what we try to do is bring those people that are engaged in exports that they can identify with 
they have been doing that. They have been exporting to several markets or they have been growing, uh, uh, they're being successful in certain projects, in certain products, and now they want to add another product to that, to that mix. Expand. Expand. And one thing that is extremely important is, it's amazing how it's, it's, it's learning what export is all about. We've gone on the surveys and questions to companies asking, do you export? And they say, no, we don't. And, and then we say, but do you sell overseas? Of course we do. And there's a lot of misunderstanding uh, of what export is It's about. It's about selling outside the U.S. border. The other part is that exports, it's not just about goods. It's also about services. So the Atlanta economy is a predominantly service-oriented economy. And our exports are about 30, 70, 30 percent goods, 70 percent services. The U.S., uh, I'm sorry, that's the U.S. Uh, uh, ratios. The Atlanta is 50-50. The, the rest of the U.S. is catching up to us. So if you are in the service industry, whether it be cybersecurity, whether it ah, be that's safety. that's a sweet spot. Uh -huh, I know <laughs> I figure so, or fintech, or the film industry. Yes. Uh, all that, it's part of the export community. Wow. Port just um, pointed something out that he thought might be interesting, which was talking about the the tariffs, the truck oh, tariffs. Oh, yes, yes. Let's talk about that a little bit. <laughs> what are your thoughts there? My thoughts about it, in fact, I just had an interview on TV on this, on this topic just recently with the, accompanied by the Consul General of, uh, of Canada, because Canada is one of the top partners for, for exports. Of course, uh, tariffs right now is at the federal level, but the best thing that we could do, and they asked me, what can you do from the chamber perspective? So the best thing that we could do from the chamber's perspective right now in terms of the tariffs, it's telling the story about how important is exporting mm -hmm. and how does that impact the, the, the economy, how many jobs it creates. And it's very significant. So the economic impact, direct and indirect, of exports, it translates into jobs, it translates into economic impact into the region. So the problem with tariffs is that it is there are a lot of unintended consequences out of that, which get caught in the rhetoric, which might affect not only exports, because people, when there is turbulence, they hold back. And when they hold back, it creates disruption to the, to the economy, but it also, my affects investments, because when there is a turbulent territory, people, again, don't want to step into that. So there, there are a lot of things to be considered. The other part is that, granted, when you create tariffs, the benefits of tariff is very concentrated. In other words, it affects a few companies that really can benefit from that. However, the downside of tariffs is very diffused. So therefore, it's not concentrated and it's spread out. But Consequently, the impact of the downside is greater than the benefit of the few that could benefit from certain specific tariffs mm -hmm. to any particular industry. Great answer. Great answer. Go ahead, Sarah. I'm sure you've got a question over there. I do. I do. Um, we'd sent some, a few questions to you, Jorge, and one of the things that, that I know from working with you in the past uh, was that you are from Cuba. Right. And that 
I, I, one of the one of the big things that you've done in your career was work for Delta Airlines and growing, actually, in creating their Latin American footprint. Um, very, very impressive track record. That's where we met. It is where we where we met, and you were so um, you were so fantastic at, at what you did. And I was able to watch you, and I learned so much from you. Um, and I'm, I'm really curious about this uh, question, which was something that Mary asks a lot of her guests. Uh, and, and coming from, from Cuba and being a, um American citizen and being such a successful American, um, what was your first, your first job? Uh-huh. Well, it depends what you consider my first job. Right, we have that all the well, time. We talk about passion, right? The international, yes. my other passion was to, was to fly. Mm. So I, I have been blessed in the sense that throughout my career, I've been able to mesh the flying piece to the international piece. Uh, so my first job was on a meatpacking company, offloading reefers uh, with with beef, if you will, wow. in warehouses, and that I used the money to, to take flying lessons. Uh, and I've quickly figured out this is not the way to do it. So uh, it's too expensive. So the best way, the road ahead, would be to join the U.S. Air Force. Oh, my God. And then fly for the Air How Force. How old were you? I was 16. Oh, my God. So I was in the Air Force? Uh, no, 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 no. Oh, That's what okay. I was doing on the meatpacking. <laughs> so uh, I continued college and stuff like that. And then I got caught in one of the fuel crises. I became a cadet for the Air Force at ROTC because uh, that's what I wanted to do. Then right, I got caught sure. in one of those fuel crises up and down with price of fuel, etc. So I found my real first job after graduating from college at General Foods International. Wow. So I became a product manager, if you will, since my degree was in, in business, uh, working for General Foods for the Caribbean region, uh, specifically for the Puerto Rican market, introducing new products to the General Food line had to the to the uh, to the Puerto Rican market in it with the with the view of expanding that into greater Latin America. So you're like a strategic, you, you have expertise in strategic global marketing. Well, I don't know about strategic. It's I eventually very, yeah, led into that, but that was yes. very tactical in the sense exactly. of specific product line, if you right. will. But still, you have to figure out how to, how to do that, how to successfully yeah, introduce absolutely. it. And knowing what you did with Delta, that you were incredibly strategic, picking the cities and why why a fl you know a certain number of flights would be valuable to Atlanta, the city of Atlanta, and why it would be valuable in Buenos Aires. Yeah. You know, yeah, we were we were very fortunate uh, because our main competitors uh, were from the U.S. other carriers at the time were carriers that their hub, their main hub and their headquarters were not co-located. At the time, the, uh, for example, American Airlines was the, most, the, the, the strongest of the U.S. carriers in the region, headquarters being in Dallas, and yet their Latin American hub was out of Miami. Right. And Continental was New Jersey and, and, uh, and Houston. But Delta, we had the good fortune of, of, of the headquarters and the hub being co-located in Atlanta. 
And this is a job that it's not done by one person, but it's a team effort. So we were able to to bring together a group, just like everything else, it's, it, it's about teamwork. Uh, and to bring together a, a group of people from the chamber at the time, from the Delta, from the ACVB, and corporations in, in the Atlanta area that kind of work together. And to the universities. And the university, you, you, you were part of that. You universities uh, still are, uh, still are uh, one of the key partners, NGOs, or that that had a vision towards, towards the region. So we did marketing, reach out to, then when we took the mayor at the time, Shirley Franklin, uh, to, to put up, the, again, telling the story about Atlanta, and at the time, during the first Bush administration, there was a proposal to do a free trade agreement for the Americas that was calling for a seat of government. So we were trying to position Atlanta as the seat of government for that organization. Unfortunately, it didn't go anywhere, not because we failed, but because of negotiations between the U.S. and the country. So the U.S. opted for a different strategy, more bilateral uh, trade agreements rather than multilateral trade agreements. Uh, but it, to us, the icing on the cake would have been the, um, the, the, that, the real thing was telling the Atlanta story and gaining a lot of um, uh, consulates from the region that are still around in the, uh, here in Atlanta. Amazing, amazing. You're full of information and we're very, very, believe me, very, very excited to have you here. And of course, being in the security industry, I don't want to leave this conversation without asking you some things about. I thought so. This was coming about cybersecurity. You know that is one of the. It, when you speak of security, it is the number one agenda item for many corporations and small businesses as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. So uh, you mentioned that earlier, and, and I feel that you have a sense of passion there as well. So yeah. as much as you can, can you talk a little bit about what the chamber is doing? in preparing is small businesses, is corporations, um, in terms of increasing the awareness. That's exactly right. Increasing um, awareness. Because from a technology point of view, Atlanta is a hub for cybersecurity. In fact, 25% of the world revenue on cyber touches an Atlanta node. So we're there from the technology perspective. What we are trying to, the theme, uh, one of the things that we, we've been doing for the last four years is create an awareness around cybersecurity around what we call Atlanta Cyber Week. And this happens this year, October the 8th through the 12th. Yes. And what we're trying to do is have two or three anchor events from different organizations during the how that week and then create other events by other organization and try to bring them all together so the cybersecurity ecosystem, if you will, from the region sort of coalesce during, during that week so we can showcase to the world who we are in terms of cybersecurity. Last year we had about 1,000 people participate in the events. There were about 11 events. This year we're, we're hoping to top that, that, that number. Um, what we have done in the past, we have been focusing both on the startup community and the vendor side and the CISO community. Yes. Uh, but what was missing was, interesting that you mentioned, is that awareness from enterprise perspective. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, today, cybersecurity is a business risk, the same business risk as a collapse of the economy could be, or a physical security yes. risk could be, 
or a, a, a HR issue right. or talent issue. So it's something that needs to be addressed. Un unfortunately, it's not there. A lot of companies that I've talked to say, I'm not a technology company, I am not a, a cybersecurity company, so what does that matter? Well, it does. Right. It, it absolutely does because, and you're right, it's the lack of awareness. And I can remember early in my career how careers in security, people weren't aware of that either. Correct. And, and I believe we're there with the cyber piece. Um, so in terms of um, a community as a whole, and we can look at the educational, we can look at uh, our faith community as well as our business community, what are some of the things you would encourage them from a business development perspective that they can do to better secure their environments? Well, uh, we, we need talent, uh, and we need to continue to grow from our technology perspective, the, the, the providers of, 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 of cybersecurity, and then how do we connect them to the greater ecosystem I keep going because that's so important the ecosystem yeah. same thing as the community yes, right yes, yes. Uh, so that's that's extremely important uh, the, the role of the universities that we were talking it's primary in fact I was just reading uh, a an email that I just got from the University of Northern Georgia uh, which is also in a military school and how engaged they are in cybersecurity Georgia Tech Georgia State all the universities a technical college are, are playing a big role into that and then is how do we bring all this together and bring it out to the C-suites? How do we bring it out to the business owners and expose the risk that they might that they might uh, in encounter? And uh, most people, just like we talked about export, people think about goods, not not services. services. In cybersecurity, most people think about stealing of the data, and and but it's a lot more than that. It's, it's about net phishing. And a lot of these uh, uh, hackers from phishing exercises, they're not there to target a specific company. They're there just to make money. And they go from one to the next to the next, and anybody can fall. So it's not about the data that you own that could get compromised, but it is, it's about the risk the, and, and the cost associated with that risk in, in terms of any type of uh, breach that you might have. And the legal ramifications of The that. legal ramification, the interpretation of your, the, excuse me, the interruption of your business, you know, the people around you. And, you know, you use some term, um, um, the, the phishing and, and some of the other uh, terms that are used around cybersecurity. Just a regular traditional non-IT companies, they're right. They don't realize no. the impact that cyber attacks has on their companies as well. And on the individuals. Uh, and the individuals and as well. It's, it's the dangers about clicking the wrong click that they're trying to do to, to ransomware and get money out of you, and, and et cetera. They don't care about the data. And that ransomware is really, really growing. Exactly. It's growing it's, it's, hugely within our, within our community. Correct. And those of us who are aware I believe we have an obligation to continue to do some of the things you're doing with the um, October with, with Cyber Week right. being held right here in Atlanta. And Sarah, you were part a big part of, of coordinating that last year, weren't you? Yes. Well, n not with not with Jorge. I was working with an, uh, another company. With another company. And I did learn quite a bit about this. And uh, Jorge, when you're talking about risk management, I. I actually approached the National Association of Risk Managers. 
and they, depending on who I talked to and what day it was, the interest would, the interest in participating or understanding about cybersecurity as a risk, a full-blown integrated risk management topic issue, et cetera, was very different. Um, have have you thought about including that association in Cyber Week? Absolutely. This is an open, uh, this is a very inclusive organization. It's about what, trying to bring together the entire cyber community it's together. Yeah. And, and in fact, we have a website called ATLCyberWeek.com. Uh, and what we're trying I'm to do. I'm writing it down. <laughs> right. And, and what we're trying to do is that's an umbrella it's fantastic. Uh, um, uh, website. And so if you have a cyber event that you want to be made part of, of, uh, of, 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 of Cyber Week, yeah. um, send me an email and, and we can incorporate that on the, on, the, uh, on the website because it's about, again, um, raising this awareness raising of the cyber. Awareness. And so now we were, try, we're trying to do events for CISOs, trying to do events for the startup community. In fact, we're working together on some of those projects. Right. Uh, and, all, and we're trying to bring um, a program for the small businesses and, the, and that awareness that you were talking about. I would love to, whatever I can do to help and support that. I, I would I love to really do that. really appreciate it. This is yes. not, this is a community-wide. It's, it's a great opportunity. A, a great opportunity. Especially for, because, as Jorge said, um, you know, you meet you meet the people, the people that are there, again, are intentionally there. Yes. Um, and being able to learn so much in your own home city is such a luxury. Are you going to tout this to the world as part of PR, marketing? Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, we, we're doing some soul searching on that because even though we're calling it Atlanta, we, this is not about Atlanta. Right. This is about... Georgia. This is about the Southeast. Yep. We tried this year. We're bringing CISOs from outside the the Atlanta area. Okay. Uh, so uh, this is our fourth year. Every year we learn and we take it to the next level. Great. And eventually, what we want to do is make this into a much greater event with uh, with global um, global reach. We last year we had delegation from four, four different. Uh, countries, okay. and then the other part of this is the associate. The associate, for example, fintech. This is another area where we're very big in Atlanta. Fintech and cyber, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it goes hand in hand. We're working with uh, fintech Dublin to do an event, which we did. We did a pitch between the fintech community in Atlanta and the fintech community in right. Ireland, in Dublin. Yeah, um, and they were pitching on live streaming. And the, the, the company that, and people voted, and the winners on both sides got to trade, if you will, uh, so they could get to learn more about the, the Irish, to right. learn more about Atlanta, and the Atlanta more about Ireland. So we're trying to inc- uh, uh, increase those those type of activities to have a global reach. Ireland seems like a really great yeah. partner. Yeah, yeah it, it certainly does. Now, I want to go back a little bit, because okay. you actually grew up in Havana, mm-hmm. and you at your first job at age 16, well, maybe, <laughs> probably the major. working before. Well, I, I, I was born in Havana. I was there until I was 10. Then I was I actually grew up in Puerto Rico. So I went to the University of Puerto Rico. That's where I joined the ROTC. I, yes. uh, and then uh, ended up in the Air Force for 20 years. So, and, fl- and now you're here in Atlanta. Right. So looking back over your life today, all the wonderful successes you have, 
what would you say to that younger, ten, that 10 year old, let's say 10 year old in, in Cuba? What would you say to that individual well, as your? I don't know if it's for the 10 year old, but I would certainly tell to my, to when I was starting it, is to be a little bit more, to take more risks, uh, to, wow. to have more of a entrepreneur mentality. Um, one of the things that have changed dramatically is um, if you choose at the time, when I was going through college, everything was very strict. It was, if you went to business, it was either um, management or accounting or, or legal or medical. Strict and, and structured. Very strict instruction. Things became very sterile. In fact, entrepreneur was not even, I remember my, my orals at the master's degree. Uh, and they asked me, okay, now that you spent all this effort and all this resource in getting an MBA, why didn't you become an entrepreneur? Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I don't, and now looking back, it's, there's, it's they're not mutually exclusive. So my, my younger self, I would say, be more risky, more entrepreneur, don't, don't follow necessarily all the, 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 the path, the, you, you, had, you could be flexible. Love that. I absolutely love that. And it also allows you to continue to develop and exercise your passion as exactly, well. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, you haven't lost your passion. No. <laughs> you're very, very passionate about what you're doing, but there's still some hidden, there's some hidden talents in there that haven't been explored Maybe. yet. And on the next show, we'll want to know what's after. Excellent. What's life like I'm after? I'm looking forward to it. Okay, very, very good. Maybe we good. could get you back into one of our trips again. Uh, well, I have a team in place now, and I'm more flexible today than I was then. So Maybe we'll talk about that. You could join that. us to tell the cybersecurity story of Atlanta. I would love to do that. <laughs> would love to That's do that. That's a challenge. That. Okay, well, we'll keep talking. Thank you very much. Is there Pleasure. anything else, Sarah, that uh, we can cover here? Is, There's is, so much, but I definitely... always I, so much. I, well, Jorge's rich and deep and handsome and he's got a sexy no, name. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. I'm air. so glad that this is not a TV show because people say that you're no, more... I'm, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, um, it's amazing, but I've known Jorge for many years and he is always changing. And we were talking with our for, uh, the last guest about being complacent and yes. this man is never complacent. Um, so I think that Putting Jorge with the chicken charge is very smart. Oh, I, I, you know, I know the name. I, I know that is that's a win-win there, and Absolutely. we should definitely explore we'll some do opportunities. It again. We'll, we'll do, do it again. again. So I want to thank you so very much for taking the time to come be with us today, um, and that increasing that awareness in that cyberspace is an ultimate goal. Exactly for us. Um, and I would like to talk with you offline about an area that we already have established that we can take some training into Absolutely. from the Chamber's perspective. Hey, Mary, would you think Jorge should give us that website name again? Yeah, so people sure. who've heard us speaking today, they're going to want to contact you as well. So if you would, just give us I, your contact. Yeah, the, 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 the website, and it's being built because this event is in October again, it's the week of October the 8th through the 12th. And there are events all over. There's events in uh, uh, and Tech Square. There's events down by Ponce City Market. There's events in Alpharetta. So we're trying to spread this all over. And the, the more, the merrier. The website that we can include this type of activities is uh, www.atlcyberweek.com. Fantastic. And I would like to talk with you in terms of how can we get or how can we identify a location for you in South Fulton. 
uh, during Cyber Week that Cyber we can host absolutely. some training and events. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. This is great. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, and we look forward to next time. And for those of you listening today, we know that you have acquired some very valuable information. And I challenge you, since Atlanta is only doing about 5%, 5% exporting, it means there's lots of room for many of you. And we hope that you will take that opportunity and start by contacting the Metro Atlanta Chamber of Commerce. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, it's Mary Parker, The Chick in Charge podcast. Subscribe to The Chick in Charge at thechickincharge.com. Get a free download of Mary Parker's Tips for Success, tips that'll make short work of some of today's most challenging issues facing female business owners. Thanks for listening to the chicken charge.